0: If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church Podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. Acts chapter 10. Well, actually, you know what? Go to Mark chapter 16, just so I can throw you off a little bit. All right? Um, this Acts chapter 10 that we're getting into tonight, I'm, I'm kind of set up a little bit before we get into that, into that chapter. This is the most important thing. A very most important chapter that we have come to tonight um, because this chapter is the beginning of the gospel to the Gentiles. Say, that's me. That's say, that, say that like you actually believe that you're a heathen Gentile. Pagan. Yeah. Pagan, heathen, Gentiles. Yeah. 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 But this is where the door was first opened to the rest of the world, that is the non-Jewish world. Remember, at one time, God's kingdom, his covenant, all of his benefits, his blessings were to the Jews only. Matter of fact, Jesus's earthly ministry was exclusively to the Jews. His teaching, as well as a lot of his healing ministry, was exclusively to the Jews. His blood was shed for all of us. That's why We have to read Jesus' teaching even many times through the context of Paul because Paul taught us what Jesus wanted us as Gentiles to learn. And because they were under the law, Jesus taught under the context of the law to the Jews. And so if we try to mix those two things, we get really mixed up. All right? Like, Like, for instance, everybody hold your right hand up right quick. I want to make sure. I'm just going to see if everybody has a right hand in here. So far, so good. And as far as I can tell, you all have a right eye. Now let me ask you something. Has that hand ever done something wrong? Yes. Amen. Has it? Yes. Keep it up. Keep that hand up. Yes. Has that hand ever done something wrong? Yes. Jesus said if that's happened, you need to cut it off. Uh-huh. Amen. So we're not real strict about following Jesus' teaching, are we? <laughs> <laughs> He said, is that I ever, ever looked at something I shouldn't look at? Uh Huh? Huh? Then Jesus said, you need to pluck it out. So we're not, yeah, okay. So you understand the difference now, right? So some of his teaching, uh, much of his teaching was under the context of the law, which we're not under, praise God. So why did I say all that? Oh, yeah, because the Jews, yeah, the Jesus' ministry and God, the God dealt with the Jewish people. They were his own chosen special people through Abraham who started that entire race of people. Um, but I, this, but now here in Acts chapter 10, we come to the place where the doors first open for the rest of the world to hear the gospel. It's really powerful. And this is the precedent-setting moment of how Gentiles get saved. That's, say, that's me. All right, So this is a very important chapter for you as, as a Christian today. This is, this is your beginning, all right? This is your beginning in Christ. This is where it starts. It's really powerful. Now, in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit, we talked about that some time ago. Uh, he was poured out on the day of Pentecost, and this is where the first experience of speaking in tongues took place. Uh, 120 of those people, the, the, the Jews, Jewish people who were there, Uh, those being the disciples, Mary, the mother of Jesus, was there. They were there and they experienced this outpouring of the Spirit and they all spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave them out. They're all baptized in the Spirit. And it was one of the signs and wonders that Jesus said to his disciples that would follow believers. And that's where we're in Mark chapter 16 for just a moment. In verse 17, Jesus told his disciples, this is before he uh, went on to heaven, he had already been raised from the dead and he's given them these last Few instructions and teachings and he says, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. Verse 18, they will take up serpents and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So these are signs that follow believers. And so just a few, uh, few days later, one of these signs was happening and that was they were speaking in new tongues. All right. And then In Acts 1, Jesus gave his disciples specific instructions to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. And he told them that they would be baptized with the Holy Spirit in just a few days. All right, And they would receive power after the Holy Spirit had come up on. Everybody say up on. The Holy Spirit come up on them and they would be witnesses to Jesus in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth, at the end of the earth. Jesus said the Spirit would come up on them. Say up on again. I just, just say upon, you don't say upon again, just say upon. <laughs> it's important to know this because, and I want to I help some of you here tonight, and maybe you came from this kind of uh, teaching uh, in whatever denomination you might have been a part of, is that many uh, scholars and theologians who, who don't speak in tongues, or who don't believe in this, in this gift, they teach that the baptism of the Holy Spirit is your salvation experience. All right? And they teach that the apostles actually were saved on this day. This is where they were saved on the day of Pentecost, what they say. That is not, this is not true, all right? I just want to tell you that, that is not true. The baptism of the Spirit is another experience than being saved, all right? Is it okay if I give you a little bit of scripture right quick to to talk about that? Because I want to help you know why you believe what you believe, all right? And we believe what we believe because this is what the Word of God says. We don't just, because we feel like we believe that, we believe that. We believe because the Scripture says it, right? I think i got three of you with me. All right. Well, three of us can change the world. All right. John chapter 20, verse 22. And when, uh, this is Jesus speaking, John 20, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. How many of you believe that happened? Huh? That they received the Holy Spirit there. Now, I personally believe that's when they were born again. That's just my own opinion, is that they had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. That he, and there, there they are talking to the resurrected Savior. They are already Christians. All right? John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking to the woman at the well. And verse 14, he says, But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him, everybody say in him, I'm having you say different f- things on purpose, not up on as we talked about, the Holy Spirit come up on, but this is talking about something happening in, all right? Well, it will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life, all right? So that is, that is when you receive Christ, when you believe the gospel, that there's this fountain that goes forth springing into everlasting life. That's powerful. It's a wonderful thing. This is about your rebirth experience, about your new being, becoming a new creation in Christ. And then John chapter 7, go over there three chapters later in verse 38. And Jesus says, He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This is powerful. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit whom those believing in him would receive. So you understand the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not... When they accepted Christ, we ex- it, the, when they were saved, we're saved by grace, how? Through faith. So he said they had not fallen on those who had already believed. They're already believers, all right? They don't become believers this day. This is another experience after believing on the Lord, all right? Those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. All right, I'm going to take you to one more sh- no, I'm going to take you to a couple more scriptures. Acts chapter 2 now. Go over there for just a moment. Verse 16. All right, stay with me. Verse 16, it says, But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Now, this is what happened. After they started speaking in tongues, there's these people around going, What is this? How is it that we hear these people in our own language? And then Peter stands up and begins to explain what is going on. He says, This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. What is? Those people speaking in tongues. All right. And it shall come to pass in the last day, said, God, that I will pour out of my spirit. Everybody say on. On all flesh. And this is the evidence that that will be known, right? Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. All right? So there's something about an inward work of the Holy Spirit. And there's something about an onward work of the Holy Spirit. All right? The, uh, now, all of it is really... I hate to split hairs too much here, but I just want to help you see that there are two experiences and, and just to kind of help you think in and on, okay? Uh, Acts chapter 19, and then we will get to Acts chapter 10. And I'll, I just want to help you understand that baptism of the Holy Spirit is not, is not salvation. Baptism of the Holy Spirit is the evidence of speaking in tongues. And we're going to get into that probably next week how the Bible defines that that's what it is, and it clearly defines it, all right? But Acts chapter 19, Paul comes to um, Ephesus. Now watch this, and it happened while Paul was at Corinth, verse 1, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, hello, yeah. I mean, don't we get the Holy Spirit when we believe? How many of you believe that you get the Holy Spirit when you believe? Yeah, of course you do. But Paul's talking about another experience of the Holy Spirit. All right? He's talking about another spirit, And we're about to read about that other experience. Now look at this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to them, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now watch this, verse 3. He said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Verse 4, then, then Paul said, John indeed baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people they should believe on him who should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. What did Paul just do? He just preached Jesus to them, didn't he? Right? He said, hey, things have changed now. Paul, John was just here for a moment, but he's pointing to somebody else. He was making a way for the one to come and that he's the one you need to believe on. He was the one John was pointing to. He was the one that when John saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. So you need to believe on him. And so look what happens when they hear hear these words. Verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So they accepted the gospel, and then they were then water baptized. All right? So how many of you believe that they were definitely Christians at this point? Right? I mean, isn't water baptism follow, follow your belief, right? Kind of, it doesn't really do you much good if you get baptized and then get saved, right? So they're believers already. Okay, just making sure we're, we're, we're together here. All right, look at verse 6. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came, how? Up on them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Different experience. And this is what Paul was gearing them up for. Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? Have you received that experience of the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues? All right? Does this help you tonight? All right. I know I'm giving you some meaty stuff, but you guys, that's why Wednesday night people eat the steak of the Word. All right. And one more scripture before we go to Luke, uh, Acts 10, Luke 24, because I want you to see this last thing about it being on, okay? Luke 24, the last words of Jesus to his disciples. He says in verse 49, Behold, I send the promise of my Father, how? Upon you. Up you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from all on high. I love this word endued. It means to sink into a garment, to to invest with clothing, to array, to put on. All right? You will be put on. The Holy Spirit will put himself on you. Hallelujah. You can be clothed with the Holy Ghost. That's powerful. All right? So just so we understand that, let me just say it like that, there's an indwelling and there's an on-dwelling. All right? The indwelling is your salvation experience. The on-dwelling is your baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. All right? Now, Acts 10, are you there? All right, there's no way I'm going to get through this chapter tonight, so just relax. All right? I know you are going, oh, my God, this is 48 verses. How is he going to do it? I'm not. So, all right. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian Regiment, a devout man and one who feared God with all his household, who gave alms generously or offerings generously to the people and prayed to God always. Alms was an offering for poor people. All right, and He gave generously to them. Now, I want to just notice, and you've heard me talk about this, but I, I've got to just say it again. All right, Cornelius is a good guy. By, the, by, by these actions, how many of you would agree this is a good man? Listen to what it says. I'm going to notice four things it says about him. He's a devout man. He and his family fear God. It says he fears God with all of his house. That means he fears God and he has trained his children to fear God. All right? He is a generous giver. And he prays all the time. Now, if I could have anything said about me, any of those would work. Amen. Right? Eric Holler, he's a devout man. He gives generously. He teaches his kids to fear the Lord, and he prays all the time. Eric Holler's a man of prayer. I'll take any of those, right? However, there is a big problem with Cornelius. Even though he's got all of these things looking good in his life, Cornelius is not born again. With all of these great attributes, he is still lost in sin with all of these wonderful things said of him and this great reputation, he will not be in heaven after he dies if he's still in this condition. Even though he's very mindful of God, the poor, and raising his family right. Now, you know what? That right there would turn some people off, right? Some people would think, well, that's not very just. That's not not right that a guy like that Would be lost for eternity. That would be unjust for Cornelius if if he were to spend eternity in hell. After doing all that he did, he was so philanthropic. But let me ask, what is more unjust? All right, let's just can we think together? You know, Christianity Christians can think too. (laughs) Matter of fact, C. S. Lewis said Christianity is actually the thinking man's religion. Because if you're really after truth, you can reason it out. It makes sense if you think about it. And one of the truths about God is is that He is only convinced that His Son has the ability to save men. All right? What's more unjust? That God would send His own Son to die for our sins and provide everlasting life for anyone who believes in Him and Him alone? Or... For God to send His own Son to die for our sins and then to also allow good people who do good things yet don't believe in Jesus for salvation to go to heaven too. Which is more unjust? That God would put His Son through all of that and go, You know what, Jesus? I mean, I appreciate all the the death, all of the torture and the rejection and the whipping, and the nailing to the cross, and all of that stuff that you face, but Matt Cornelius is a good guy. Are we really going to compare these two things? Someone's good deeds to Christ's amazing sacrifice of love? Can you even compare them? Is that justice for Jesus? Well, Father, if you're going to just Allow whoever you want to in heaven, despite what I do or don't do, (laughs) I think I'll just stay here. Why would I go through what I'm going to go through if you're just going to do whatever you want to anyway? Why would I go pay that kind of price if it doesn't matter for some people? If there's another way in? How can any human on earth... Think that they can accomplish what Jesus did by simply doing good stuff. Jesus, who never sinned, right? Never lied. He never buckled under the pressure of temptation, endured the most grueling kind of death. But if you try your best and be sincere and help others, God wouldn't turn you away. Give me a flipping break. None of us could help ourselves, no matter what we did, and God knew we couldn't. We were broken, we were sinful, we were lost. We were unable to do anything to help us out of that broken condition. There were no actions on our part that could fix our condition, right? Because our condition is what actually dictated our actions, which meant Our broken condition meant that our actions were broken. But the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Praise God. Now Cornelius is a good man, but there's still a big problem. He's got everything on the outside working right, but his spirit is dark. Not by, not by anything necessarily that he did. He was just born that way. Like all of us were born that way. But God helped us and said, you can be born again. And be translated out of that darkness and into his light. About the ninth hour, verse three. Well, two verses in. See, that's what I'm saying. There's no way we're going to get through all this, but... About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God. This is Cornelius. Isn't this cool? All right? Ninth hour of the day, that's, that's like three o'clock in the afternoon. saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms have come up for a memorial before God. Whoa. So this man's hunger for God. People that pray are hungry for God. This man's hunger for God and kindness to others did get God's attention. It did, get his, it did not justify Cornelius, but it did open the door for him to hear the gospel of Christ. Which, is, which that's the only hope for men, right? So if God would have accepted Cornelius into heaven for being a good guy, then he certainly would not have gone through the trouble of what he is about to do. All right? Look at verse 5. He says, Now send men to Joppa. Doesn't that sound like a city in Star Wars? <laughs> now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. All right? So I don't have my crude little map, but uh, uh, these are both coastal cities. C- Caesarea, as we talked about last week, if we're looking at the, uh, the Sea of Tiberias, and then we have the, the coastline here. You have... Um, did I say Sea of Tiberius? Is that right? Sea of Tiberius? Yeah, it is. It's absolutely what it is. Anyway, there's there's Caesarea up here. <laughs> y- y'all just believe anything, right? Uh, we don't have any idea. Sure. All right. Anyway. Okay, see where that little arrow is? Up up there on the top. You guys see Caesarea? Now look down, there's Joppa down there. Okay? So they're about 30 miles apart from each other, which is about the same distance as McKinney is from Dallas. Um, and so I'm so w- imagine for, if they, more than likely they didn't have cars back then, so they're on horseback or so, and if, if they walked, a horse walks, and if, if the terrain is pretty average, if it's not too rough, uh, the average gait of a horse if he's walking is about four miles per hour. All right? So 30 miles to get there, how many hours? Just under eight hours. You're a good class. Now, if they brought the horses to a trot, what they call the, what they call the working gait of the horse, which many of them can, can do this trot for many, many hours, then that's more like eight miles per hour, so they could have made the trip in about four hours. Somewhere between Caesarea and Joppa, it's a four- to eight-hour trip or so. All right? Is this okay? So... And, and this angel says, he is lodging with Simon a tanner. Where's tanner? There he is. A tanner whose house is by the sea, he will tell you what you must do. I think it's funny that a tanner lived by the sea. That Aren't they getting enough sun? Okay. Verse 7, and when... And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the house to pray about the sixth hour. So we can imagine that it looks like Cornelius follows The Jews, all right? Like he prays at the same hour of day they do. So he probably got up. They probably started the day at 6 a.m. And it ends at 6 p.m. So if they left at 6, they get there. They're coming into the city about noon. So it's about six hours. So they're right on the average of how long it would take for them to travel 30 miles. Okay? So as they're nearing the city... Peter now goes up on the housetop to pray about noon, about the sixth hour, when he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance and saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. In it, that is, in that sheet were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter kill and eat now we gentiles we get that right i do i'm a hunter i get it yeah rise kill and eat that's all you had to say to me god that is definitely a word from god all right but to this jew seeing these many unclean animals on this sheet he's like whoa 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 what does this mean kill and eat i'm not a gentile did you remember i'm a jew jesus so are you by the way right he says not so lord for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. None of this is kosher. And a voice spoke to him again the second time, What God has cleansed, you must not call common. Wow. What God has cleansed. Wow, what a thought for this young Jewish man to be looking at these things that has always been unclean to him and to hear God himself say, it's not unclean anymore. That had to have wrecked his world a little bit. Huh? They go, wait a second. I've only known one way all of my life. Matter of fact, even Jesus himself lived this way, but now he's telling me something different. What does this mean? This was done three times because Peter was not getting what it meant. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Now while Peter wondered within himself what this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. Ding dong. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise therefore, go down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. All right, so now he's got this vision, he's still trying to figure out, now the Spirit of God says, there's three men waiting for you, go. All right, so Peter's in a daze right now. I mean, he is, his whole world is spinning. All right? Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I am he whom you seek. What reason? For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house. To what? to hear words from you. Wow. Now, why is it? Why is it that Peter has to get to this house? Why go through all this? Why doesn't the angel... I mean, if the angel's there, the angel came from a lot further away than Peter did, right? (laughs) Peter's 30 miles down the road. This angel came from heaven, right? shows up at Cornelius' house, and he says, you need to go find this guy. He's 30 minutes south of you. He's going to come and He's going to tell you the words you need to hear. Why doesn't the angel just tell him? Why go through all of that? What's the point, God? I mean, if you why go through all that trouble? Because angels cannot deliver the message that only men can deliver. Because angels were not redeemed. And the, the gospel is the message of the redeemed. And it's only a gospel that men can preach. All right? So God had to get a man, a redeemed man to come and share the redemption story with these unredeemed Gentiles. All right? And he's doing it supernaturally, no doubt, through the through using through the use of angels, right? It's powerful. And through visions and the spirit speaking. I mean, there's awesome, many awesome things going on here. All right? So then he invited them in and lodged them. Okay? That's not a very good Jew already. You don't bring Gentiles in your house and lodge them. All right? But what God has cleansed no longer is common. On the next day, so how many days have gone by at this point? We're coming into the third day. Cornelius has the vision, and the next day they go and they, they arrive there at uh, Joppa, at, the, at Simon the Tanner's house. Peter invites them in, and so they set out on the third day. All right? Then he invited them and lodged On the next day, Peter went away with him, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So the trip back to Caesarea was much slower because we're going to see a little bit later that Cornelius says four days ago. All right? And I was trying to figure out how come it only took him one day to get there, but it takes him two days to get back. The only logical conclusion I could come up with is that Peter is now able to stop at restaurants that he couldn't eat at before. And he says, you know, that barbecue place, those pork ribs, I've heard about those all of my life. And now God has cleansed. God has cleansed what, I said was un- what he said was unclean at one time. Let's go belly up at that bar and eat some pork ribs. I don't have any idea why it took him that long. Maybe Jews travel slower. I don't have any idea. And the fact <laughs> is, it took him, Two days to go 30 miles to get back, and we'll look at that in just a moment. <laughs> he, has a new, he has a newfound freedom. Rise, Peter, kill and eat. I mean, wouldn't you just go, holy moly, thank you, Jesus. I mean, where I can go anywhere to eat. All right. And the following day, and the following day, they entered Caesarea. So we see that it took two days to come back. And now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Verse 25, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him, fell down at his feet, And worshipped him, but Peter lifted him up, saying, "Stand up! I myself am also a man." And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to him, "You know how unlawful it is for me, a Jewish man, to keep company with or go to one of another nation." So here he already told us this is all against the law. What I'm doing, all right? I'm not even supposed to be associating with you guys. But God has shown me. But God has shown me. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. I want us to think about that for just a moment. This is where the words of Jesus come roaring back judge not lest you be judged. That we see every race, culture, tribe, color as precious in the sight of God. Not common. Not unclean. I should not call any man, common or unclean. In other words, I have no reason to reject anyone. I have no excuse but to love everyone. Therefore, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. And I asked them, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting. Oh, okay, first of all, he's devout fears God with all of his house. He prays. He gives generously. And he also fasts, by the way. Holy moly. I mean, shouldn't, wow. Oh, okay. I, I'm just, this guy's awesome, right? He's a great, he's a, really, a really a great man for an awful sinner that he is. I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, three o'clock in the afternoon, I prayed in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call for Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon, a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you've done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth and said another revolutionary thing for a Jewish man to say. First, God has told me, shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. That's a whole new thought. That's a whole new that's a whole new belief system. Are you hearing me? And the second thing is in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. In truth, I perceive God is no respecter of persons, He does not regard one higher than the other. Wow. Because His Son put us all on the same level. We really aren't anything until we are in Him. But in every nation, whoever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by Him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, that is to the Jews, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, He is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witness of all the things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. Wow, there it is, isn't it? Christ died, Christ is risen. Christ died, Christ is risen. Not, all the, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. So what he wanted to make sure they knew by saying that what we ate and drank with him was, is this is not just some, some ghost of Christ. This is not just some image. We ate food with him. And you can't eat food if you're just a spirit, right? Food and drink are for the body. We physically, we literally ate and drank with him. He rose from the dead, this man in the flesh. That's powerful, isn't it? And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be the judge of the living and the dead. To him, this is it. This is the culmination of of the entire message from Peter to these Gentiles, whose house is full of Cornelius and his relatives and his friends. All right? To him, all the prophets witness. This is what all of those books in the Bible before the New Testament were all pointing to. To him, all of them reporting to him, all of them witness through his name, whoever believes, now here it is again. This is the third revolutionary thing for Peter right here. Because in his mind, it was whoever is Jewish that believes. But now that he doesn't call any man common or unclean, now that he sees that God is no respecter of persons, but he's opened the gospel to the entire world, now whoever really means Whoever. Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter was still speaking these words, which words? To him, whoever believes on his name will receive remission of sins. While he was still speaking those words, the Holy Spirit fell, how? Upon all those who heard the word and those of the circumcision, that is those Jews who believed were astonished as many as came with Peter, six of them, uh, to be uh, as a matter of fact, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them talking that funny language. They heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. And then Peter said, "Can anyone forbid water that, there, that these should not be baptized who've received the Holy Spirit just as we have?" All right, So Peter saw, oh. They're believers. Did you, did you catch that? Peter didn't say, oh, we got to keep these guys saved. We got to pray the prayer, the sinner's prayer with these guys." How are they talking in tongues? Right? Because he's just preaching the gospel, and all of the, the next thing he hears is them speaking in tongues. Whoa, 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 whoa! We got to get these guys back. They're saved. They're born again. So, born again people they get water baptized, and born again people speak in tongues. And that was a sign to him that they were saved. Because Jesus said, these signs follow believers. Yeah. So they believed, and now he's hearing them speak in tongues. And they go, "Well, oh man, we've got to get these guys baptized. This is powerful, isn't it? Who received the Holy Spirit just as we have, and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked him to stay a few days. Ha, we did it. think about that for just a moment. This right here is, is the precedent-setting moment, as I said earlier, of how we all come to know Christ. And isn't it something, ladies and gentlemen, isn't it something that it was simply them hearing the gospel? Yeah. Simply hearing the gospel. They didn't pray a prayer. Right? Sadly enough, the church has brought it down to a certain prayer you pray rather than just preaching the gospel. I don't know how many people get saved in our church. I assume that happens all the time. Because we preach the gospel. So I just assume when people hear it, they believe. Even if I don't pray a prayer with them. I like to pray the prayer, but I don't think that's everything. Obviously it's not. This is the first mention of Gentiles getting saved, and they didn't even pray a prayer. Think about it. So God would help us know that this is about faith in God alone. Huh? So that we wouldn't build religions on how people need to get saved. So that we would keep the main thing, the main thing, and that is to preach the gospel. It's not my job to save people in the first place. It's not your job to get people saved. It's your duty and, and obligation as a child of God to preach the gospel. Just tell them the gospel because the gospel is what saves people. I don't have that ability. But remember, the angel told Cornelius that he's going to say things to you. There are words you're going to hear. And those very special words are going to save you and your house. Think about it. What were those words? Whoever believes on his name. Whoever believes on Jesus will receive remission of sins. It's that simple. And just prior to that, he said they nailed him to a tree, but God raised him from the dead. That's the gospel. That's it. It's that simple. Believe. It's beautiful. And if that's where it starts, if this is the precedent-setting moment, and in in theological studies, we have to pay attention. There's a thing called the law of first mention. All right? This is the first mention of our kind, our pagan, heathen kind, getting in on this amazing relationship with God being able to hear the gospel and believe. What an amazing God we serve. What an amazing grace He has brought to us. So just keep it simple. Keep it simple. This isn't hard. You are all carriers of a message now. Paul said it's those God is pleading through us. Be reconciled to God. Pray. Pray that you get that opportunity. Keep that at the forefront of your mind. God, give me the opportunity to say those words that bring life to people. Give me the opportunity to tell someone Jesus died for their sins and He was buried and He rose again from the dead. And if they believe on Him, everything changes for them. That's what I love about the gospel. There's no strings attached to it. It's all good news. Period. Period. Let's bow our heads for a moment. Father, I want to say thank you for this amazing time in your presence with these great, great people, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this family, Lord, that you have assembled here who are hungry for the things of God, hungry for your word, hungry for a a greater depth in their relationship with you. Lord, I thank you for the rich fellowship that we have around your, your scriptures, God. They are, they are life to those who find them. They are health to all of their flesh. We thank you for the amazing gospel that you included the rest of the world in on this amazing news, this mystery that was hidden throughout ages and ages. And now Paul says, God has revealed it to me. That is now Christ in you. It wasn't all that big of a mystery that Christ would dwell in Jews, but that God would allow Him to dwell in us too. The hope of glory. It's right quick, if you're here tonight and you haven't personally believed this gospel for you, that you've never accepted the Lord Jesus as your Savior, you've never received Him into your life, I want to invite you tonight to do that. I'm going to invite you to not do that. If you're here and you want to be saved, if you're here, and you want a new relationship with God. You want, to, you want that life. You believe the gospel tonight. I want you to just raise your hand and I want to pray for you tonight. If, that, if that's you, just acknowledge where you are. Just say, that's me, Pastor Eric. I want to know. I want, that, I want that life that you're talking about. I want to know that when this life is over that life really isn't over. Life really begins. That I'm My definitely, I'm definitely going to be in a home in heaven. Is that you? You want to, you want to know God tonight? You want to receive Jesus? Just raise your hand. Father, Lord, we thank you for this one who's raised their hand. Father, I just thank you now for your saving grace. If we can all just say these words together, Father, I call you Father now because of Jesus. I believe Jesus died for my sins. I believe he was buried in a tomb. And I believe he rose again the third day. And I receive your forgiveness for all my sins. I thank you that all things are new. All my sins are washed away. And now I am free. And now I am alive. In Christ, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 a.m., 11 a.m., or 1 p.m., and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Please visit onecausechurch.com for location and events. You can also like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at One Cause Church. If you'd like to partner with our ministry, you can now donate securely online. Just click on the link located on the front page of our website at onecausechurch.com.